We've been teaching for a few weeks now. I just happen to be home for a while, and that's going to change come February, March, and April. But So I've got a little streak here where I can lay in some teaching. I don't think I've ever taught for any sermons for employees and employers. Yeah, it's such a big chunk of our lives, our work. And uh, the Bible has a lot to say about it. But for I don't know why, I've just not taught it. And so I, but I want to stay in that vein this morning. Are you interested in learning more about employment, your job? Stop and think about it. It's not only a big chunk of your time, but your worth and your value. And um, there's a promise in Isaiah that says, "My, my elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. What a promise to stand down and say, Lord, I, I don't want to just work. I want to love my work. I want to do something. I want to accomplish something. When you read Ecclesiastes, it's all about a guy who worked but, but didn't really feel like it had any lasting benefit. And that, that was such a, he said, it's vanity. It's like grasping the wind. I don't want that to be for you. I want, I, at the end of our days, to be able to look back and say, that was worthwhile. I felt like I accomplished something. Something happened because I was here. And uh, there's two aspects to work that will make you very employable. And employees or employers that are here and business owners, this will, the same teaching will, will create a, a loyalty, a base of loyalty with your customers like nothing else. These are the two things that I think will, will establish your business. You'll never lack for business. And a couple things I think that will make you not only a valuable employee, but will lead to promotion and lead to success. Everyone's longing for success. But how you do it, how you get there, that's the key. And so I'd like to to work on that this morning, looking at some scripture. Let's go to Genesis. We'll go right into Genesis chapter uh, 1. Back in the creation story, I'll tell you, God's a worker. He has a work ethic. He is in dominion from, in every aspect of it, and he wants that in us. And so we see this part where he creates Adam. Let's begin in verse 26. He says, let us make man in our image. So you are a splice of the heart of God. A lot of things that he feels, you feel. The reason you laugh, the reason you get angry, the reason that uh, you have passion and zeal and you have a work ethic, that comes from the Father and it can get hijacked and taken off into all the wrong direction. That's, that's a fact. But it, the genesis of that really comes from, from us being made in the image of God. And I make them according to our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of, of the sea and the birds of the air and the cattle all over the earth and every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. And God created man in his image. And in the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. That sense of 
wanting to accomplish something, that sense of wanting to build something, that sense of wanting to do something worthwhile, to have something to show and say, I built that. I, I, had, I started from nothing and I accomplished this. The Lord himself, that's, that's really in his heart, he's always pointing to creation as something that he established, something that he built. It comes from him and it's in your heart. He's never intended you for to live a, a life of unemployment, a life of maybe even a life of luxury where you don't do anything or accomplish anything. Built within you is a desire to own something, to accomplish something, to build something, to take something from scratch and make it work. That doesn't come from you. That comes from the creator. You're made in his likeness. He wants you to have dominion where you're in charge. You're a leader. You're accomplishing something. That's from God. He gave that to Adam, and it's in every person since Adam. Like I said, it can get hijacked in the wrong direction. It can be taken off in, in, in different places. For example, one of the things that he delegated, and that's a key word in the study, delegation is giving someone a part of your authority, and you say, this is what I want you to accomplish. And, and one of the things he, uh, God gave Adam is he, God created this garden east of Eden, Eden and said, now, I want you to look after it. You're in charge. I want you to tend it. I want you to keep it. Now, God could have done that himself. It would have just been so easy. But he knows that man has a need to do something, a need to accomplish something, a need to produce. We, that's in us. He said, why don't you take care of this? And, and I'll tell you what, you name everything that you see. You name, that's your responsibility. I give that to you. Then when he brought Eve and presented her to Adam, the very first thing he says, whoa, man. Woman. Whoa, man. He named her. The first thing he did is he named her. Everything he saw, he named it. And, and that's, that's God's authority that he gave him. God didn't name anything after that. That was given to man. But you know the whole story. That thing that was delegated had conditions. Don't touch this. Don't, don't eat from this tree. He put limits on it. And, and Adam violated that. He exceeded his authority. He exceeded what God said. He went beyond what God had delegated to him. And it cost him his job. And it'll cost you your job, too. You'll get fired if you take something that's not yours because you have this strong desire in your flesh also to dominate things and to make things happen. And Adam, he went off in the wrong direction, and he lost his job, lost his position. Then God cursed the ground in a way that, from that time on, work was just hard. Tough, tough sledding. He had worked. But it wasn't easy. It didn't come naturally. Not like in the garden where it just seemed, just seemed to just, everything just seemed to be so, it just flowed so nice. Now it's tough, tough work. But it was because he violated that area of delegation. And, and the thing that you're dealing with and I'm dealing with in my work is delegation. Is that you tell, you, you have people do something. You say, this is what I want to see done. And then they, either they'll miss it by not doing it or, or doing it in a way that they want to do it and they don't care what you think. 
And, and uh, next thing you know, there's tension, there's frustration, there's stress. And you'll get fired not just for exceeding your authority, but because of all the stress and all the frustration that you created. And a lot of people get fired because they don't know, they don't understand delegation. You've been asked to do something. And you stay within the boundaries of that. And you report back, and, and God would come down and say, uh, what did you name? What did you, what did you do today? And, and Adam would have fellowship talking about his work. When was the last time you've talked over your work with God? He wants to hear it. He wants you to talk it over with him. And God would say, what did you do? And he'd say, well, I named this, and I, I, I saw this. This was amazing. Here's what I, here's what I did. It's phenomenal. And they had fellowship around that. But it all went south. And that happens to us as well. I, I find a lot of people who are wounded because they lost jobs and they lost opportunities or their businesses went under because they didn't understand delegation. They didn't understand the desire for dominion that was at work within them. And Adam just ended up for the next thousand years was miserable. We don't even hear much about what he did because he didn't seem to accomplish anything. He wasn't known for anything. We see in his descendants that the desire to, uh, to uh, be in dominion and take control. They, they got together later on. They said, let's build us a city and let's build us a tower and, and we'll, we'll, we'll find our own way to God. We're not we don't, limited to what God says. We can do our own thing. And God says, that's not going to happen. In fact, man started naming things. After Adam left the garden, he started naming all kinds of things. Every planet that's hung in the sky is named after a demon or a false god that man named. There's only one planet that's not named after a demon, and that's the planet Earth that God named before Adam. He called it Earth. And everything else is named after a demon. Every, every, practically every month and every day of the week is named after a demon or some false god. Because man just kept naming stuff. We have a real penchant for naming things. But it got so corrupted. And I'll tell you something about the humility of God. God said, I delegated that to them and I'm going to live with it. I'm not going to change that. He puts up with it. Now the Jewish calendar... And the days of the week and the days of the, the, the months of the year are different. They're not named after gods. But everything in the pagan world is named after demons. And man started doing things, even taking the stars, because there's a disconnect between them and the creator. And they take the stars and they, they try to foretell the future from the stars. Well, that's, that's, that's because when we leave off with God, we need some kind of witchcraft, some kind of sorcery, some kind of divination to try to speak to us, to try to foretell the future, because we have this big need in us to know what's ahead, how to do my business, how to succeed in my business. The amount of fortune telling, the amount of crazy stuff that's in our society is astounding. And it's nothing compared to places like China and Japan, where it's huge, where they want to do everything. They don't, they don't do any business transaction unless it lines up with the stars. That's a fallen nature of man who's outside of its realm of delegation and who's trying to make things happen 
through witchcraft. It's a, it's a very real thing. We're going to see more of it in our society, more of it in our culture. This whole thing of dominion is working inside of you, whether you're aware of it or not. This whole thing of delegation is, is tell me what to do, and I'll do it. And I'll, and I'll stay within the limits of what you said. And if you do that, and you're, you're faithful to do that, you'll see promotion, you'll get better opportunities. Uh, he'll, the boss will move other people out of the way to let you go up because you can be trusted, because you do what you're asked to do, you do what you're told to do. You report back. If things don't go right, you go back and say, I know you gave this to me. I'm struggling with it. If you do that, you'll get all kinds of encouragement. You'll get more, more opportunity, a different direction that will make it work even better. But it really hinges on communication. In Eve's case, she took something that wasn't given to her and got her husband involved in it. Next thing you know, their lives, they're on the outside looking in. Their, their lives are wrecked because they, they violated the principle of delegation. Let's go and let's see how this all shows up in real life. Let's go to the story of Joseph. And if you would like to go to Genesis chapter 37, that's where the story of Joseph, and we'll look what, what dominion and delegation look like in a, in a real person's life. Joseph, as a young guy, just like, just like a young person, just like you, had a dream, a dream of greatness. And God wants you to be great. Even Jesus, when the disciples were fighting over who's going to be the greatest, he showed them how to fulfill that drive that's within them. He showed them how to do it. He didn't rain on that. He didn't say, that's, that's corrupt, that's wrong. Joseph had this dream, a God-given dream of greatness. His brothers, when he told the dream, they're all offended. And they said, what, are you going to have dominion? That's the issue. Are you going to have dominion over us? We're going to bow down to you. That, and that's the word that it actually comes out here in the story. You're going to have dominion over us, you dreamer. You can see that in uh, verse 8, chapter 37, verse 8. Joseph had a drive, a God-given drive to succeed, a God-given drive to accomplish something, to, to work with his hands and make something happen. His brothers were envious of that. You know the story. It all went south. He's sold into bondage. He's put on an auction block naked, sold as a slave. And the guy that bought, bought him was the king's, the, the man who's in charge of his personal bodyguard, a guy named Potiphar. And as he got around Joseph for a little bit, he said, this guy is sharp. This guy, he's got something that I haven't seen. There's the, the favor of the Lord was upon him, and everything that Joseph touched was blessed. That should be your testimony. Every company you work for, they should want you to work there because there's something about you. You're different. You're different than other people. You're shiny. You got the favor of the Lord upon you. You have skill, you have grace. And he saw that on, on, on Joseph. And he said, you know, I can trust this guy. And he delegated responsibility to this young slave. And everything he touched, he said, man, I gave him that. That worked. 
That, that was such a blessing on that. That was so profitable. I'm going to give him more responsibility. Ultimately, he gave him everything that belonged to him and said, you're in charge of uh, all my fields. You're in charge of the help. You're in charge of the house. You're in charge of the whole thing because there was such a blessing on Joseph because Joseph came into dominion where he said, I'll, I'll do this and I'll do this with all my heart. I'll do this with God's grace. Next thing you know, his life is, he's happy as can be. His life is fulfilled. He's experiencing the blessing of God. He's experiencing the favor of God. Potiphar loves it. He said, I don't even think about anything except the food that's on my plate set in front of me because I don't have to worry about it. I so trust Joseph that this is going to work. I so trust Joseph that I don't even have to look at it. Talk about success. Wouldn't it be nice if the boss can go away and leave the whole shop to you knowing that it's going to work, knowing that it's going to be better, cleaner, function better because you're there and they can go away? You've eliminated frustration. You've taken off stress. If you take off stress and, and frustration out of your boss's heart, he'll give you more rope. He'll give you, he'll give you more dominion. He'll give you more opportunity. He'll move other people aside to, to create room for you. But if you violate the concept of delegation and you do your own thing, no one's going to tell me what to do. Don't tell me. Don't boss me around. I, I'm, I'm, I know how to do this. I'm going to do this. Or, the, or you, you're asked to do it and you drop the ball. You say you'll do it. Then you don't follow through. You're not a man of your word. Well, what happens is you're creating frustration. You're creating stress. He'll look for the first person to come through the door to replace you that he can find. You're a source of aggravation. You're a source of stress. Potiphar didn't feel that. Now, Joseph, Joseph was a handsome young man. Potiphar had a wife, and she started seeing Joseph as a means to fulfill something, a need that she had. And Joseph, his response is so powerful. He says, no. He says, Potiphar has given me everything. Everything that belongs to him except you. And he knew the limits of delegation. Except you. He didn't take advantage of it. He didn't exceed the limits of it. And it got him in trouble. And as you know the story, it got him arrested. Next thing you know, he's in the dungeon in the bottom of Potiphar's house. He's the captain of the king's guard. The prison's in the bottom of his house. And all of a sudden, he's accused falsely. He's in jail. You say, well, that, that looks like it failed. It looks like he got fired. Uh, he got set up. He was lied about. Well, that, that can happen. That, that does happen. There's no guarantee that that kind of thing won't happen. But even there, God was with him. And even there, I don't know how it happened, but here's what I picture Joseph's talking to the, 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 the guy who runs the prison. He says, you know, there's a way to get some ventilation in here that'll be better for the guards and the prisoners. Have you ever thought of doing this? And the guy says, I never thought of that. He says, nothing. Just let me look after it. I'll take care of it. It'll be done. He says, go for it. He says, you know that broken toilet system that just this place reeks? I know how to fix that. If you want me to, I'll fix it and take care of it. and it, It'll change your work environment. The guy says, go for it. 
He said, there's food, there's food, there's a way to get this food, so it's better food, even cheaper, if you would just do this. And, and next thing you know, dominion is coming out of his heart, but he's working with authority. He's not just doing it, he's consulting with the, the keeper of the prison, and the keeper of the prison said, I'm going to have you run this thing. And next thing you know, wherever he landed, Joseph is running the prison. He said, you know that rat problem? I took care of that. The place is brighter. He said, there's that one guy in cell number 32, and he was just creating problems for everybody in that section of the prison. I think if we moved him to this end on the next level down, it'll change the prison. He says, go for it. Let's move him. And it worked out. It just, it just worked. He just became so valuable. He was promoted to running the prison. He had the keys to the prison. He could come and go. If you're going to be in prison, you might better enjoy it. <laughs> might better have the keys to the place. Might be a trusted trustee. Joseph landed on his feet everywhere he went. And you know the story. It turns out the king of Egypt, the highest guy in all the world, he's the highest king in all the, all the earth. Joseph walked into his, into his court one day and had solutions that came from God. And the, and, and the king said, you're in charge. And that night, the morning, Joseph woke up in a prison. That night, he's in the king's chariot being paraded through the whole city as the second highest person in all the earth. And even the highest person calls him, calls him father. And he delegated problems to him. And, and Joseph came up with solutions. Talk about valuable. Talk about success. That's what you're shooting for. You don't want promotion because you're a weasel or because you connived and, and, and snuck things and, and, and worked, the, worked the edges and, and, and tried to manipulate something. Manipulation and domination come out of a fallen spirit, a fallen spirit that's taking dominion to the wrong degree. And it happens all the time. It's like the Sunday school teacher where the pastor delegates authority to the Sunday school teacher. We don't have Sunday school here, so I can talk about that. But it says, I want you to look after these children. And then later on, he finds out she's teaching something that, that he didn't ask her to teach, something that's different. So he goes to her, and he says, uh, why are you teaching that? I, this is what I want you to teach. She said, these are my kids. You gave this de department to me. Get your nose out of here. This is my department. How long do you think she'll last? Some, some Sunday schools are so dependent on staff, maybe the pastor will limp along with that for a while, but I wouldn't because it's a violation of delegation. It's like the care group leader where they don't want to teach what the pastor's laying out as a diet for the sheep. And they said, no, this is my group. I'll, I'll do it my way. I'll, I'll run it. We're going to even do it on a different night. We're going to do it differently than, um, we're going to do it my way. No, well, that's a violation of delegation. That might come out of some need you have to be in dominion, but your flesh has taken over that. That'll fail. You'll be removed. 
You've been given something. You've been del- it's not, they're not your sheep. We gave you something to, to manage, something for you to grow, something for you to look after, to fulfill a, a need that you have and a need that we have, but you're, you're creating frustration and you're creating stress. It's not going to happen. It's not going to last. I had, a, I had a, a friend, a good friend, uh, in another church in another country, and he had this real desire to, to pastor, and the, the, the leadership of the church gave him a small group. And over time, he poisoned the heart of the small group against the church and then took the small group and, and started his own church without even consulting with the pastors. One day, they got a, an email or a, a text that said, I'm taking these people, and we're starting our own church. When I heard that, I called him and I said, you can't do that. But his need for dominion, his need to be, to manage something, to run something was so strong, but it now had been hijacked by his flesh. And I said, you can't do this. I, 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 and, and I couldn't have fellowship with him because everything he wanted to talk about was all the messes that this decision had created and all the problems with these people. And every time I was around them, all he wanted to do was complain and, and talk about all the things that weren't working and get, try to get, me to get me to give him solutions. I can't be party to that. That's, this thing is so corrupted. It's so wrong. It could never work. And that, was, that, wrecked, that wrecked our friendship. We were no longer friends. I never called him again. It, it was dominion coming out of the wrong, wrong place. How about this for an example of corrupt dominion? This is in the news this week. Where school teachers and, and union leaders of schools and principals of schools says, parents, you have no right to tell us what to teach your children. They're ours. We'll teach them what we want to teach them. You have no say in the matter. Don't tell us. You're, you're not our customer. We'll do what we want with your children, and you have no say about it. Isn't that the most corrupt dominion? The very people who delegated the responsibility to these people to teach their children and paid for the thing, paid for it, have no say. That thing is destined to fail. It's destined to fall. There might even be a time in the, where there won't even be functioning schools and uh, schools available, children to teach, teachers available. There's going to be such a shortfall if the thing is destined to fail. But it's a classic example of someone who has a need for dominion that has been taken to a, a, the wrong degree. It's been hijacked by their flesh. Parents have every right to speak to what's going on in the school system. They have every right to speak up. It's delegated authority. I want you to succeed. Knowing how to deal with delegation is, is huge. I have Siri in my phone, in my car, and Siri is wonderful to work with. I say, Siri, would you do this? And she says, is this what you want me to do? And she plays it back to me. And I say, yes, that's what I want you to do. And she says, I'll look after it. And then she says, it's done. That's all delegation. 
as, a, as delegation, the biggest chunk of delegation is communication. That's communication equals trust. Trust equals promotion and, and, and job security. If you can create trust and alleviate stress, man, you'll never lack for a job. This guy, he just, he just takes away, he'll take care of it. You never have to worry about it. He's a man of his word. He's on time. People think I'm a stickler for time, especially the discipleship students. They said, you really focus on this time thing. I, I'm not really. I'm focused on integrity. I want to be a man of my word. If we agreed to meet at a certain time, I will move heaven and earth to be there. I, don't, I can't just relax unless... Unless I'm true to what I said I would do. That has gotten me more work, more jobs. Just uh, one time I went to a, a customer. I was in business uh, uh, for myself. And, uh, and I worked for uh, a newspaper at one time. And, and I happened to be early. I, if you want a little time to yourself, just be early. And, and I happened to be early. Well, the guy who was supposed to come in, my competitor... He was supposed to be in, say, 11 o'clock. I don't remember the time now, but say he was 11 o'clock, and I'm there about five minutes early, and he doesn't show at 11. The boss doesn't know that. He thinks I'm his appointment. So I walk in his office, and he gives me a ton of work. And finally realize after, the guy who was supposed to get the work was a no-show, and I, I just happened to be early. I didn't even know what was going on. Next thing you know, the guy's pouring all this favor upon me, giving me all this work. We got a good laugh out of that. We became friends, and he became one of my best clients. I just looked after. I was a relief to him. The other guy was a no-show. I think it'll pay. Just to understand this issue of delegation. Delegation works like this. Someone calls you, and they say, well, you do this, and you say yes. And then there's this uh, playback where you say, this is what you want me to do. I'll look after that. And so you've, you've, you've gotten a clear understanding of what they're asking for. That takes communication. And then partway through the project, you get back to them. You say, Here, it's working well. I just want to give you a little update. I'm working on that. I, and, and I ran into this problem. And if you'll do that, if you'll call back in and you say, I'm working on it, but I ran into this problem, you'll get encouragement, you'll get solutions, you'll get more dominion. That creates trust. And then when everything is all done, you say, I finished that job. Thanks for giving that to me. I took care of it. It's over. And the guy just sighs relief because that's on his mind. That's on his things to do list. That's on his radar. And you've relieved him of it. You know what he'll do? He'll turn around and give you another responsibility. He'll give you more opportunity for dominion because you've relieved him of it. Here's what you don't want. Here, this, is, this is delegation gone to seed. You delegate something. You tell them what you want. And you never hear back. And you don't know whether it's working or not. You never hear anything back. Finally, you have to call them and say, what's happening with that thing? That I and they say, oh, I forgot. I forgot all about it. Or, oh, yeah, that didn't work, so I just went on and, and did something else. That's the last thing. Your heart sinks, and, and you say, man, as soon as I can replace them, I will, because it just creates frustration. You, you, so you, there's no job security. Job security 
comes from trust. Trust comes from communication. Even when your client, you got a customer, and something that they ordered, something you worked on, a deal that you worked out with them, a project you would do, and just call them and say, look, we're running a little bit, we're about two days behind schedule because of the supply and demand is interfering with that, but I just want you to know that we're on it, we're tracking it, and, and this is what's happening. I'll tell you, that's, you'll create customer security. That guy, he'll hire you again in a minute because you created a sense that you can be trustworthy. You're trusted. Joseph did that. Paul did that. Paul, every time he was sent out, he'd come back to the same church and he'd say, you sent me out. Here's a report on where I went, what happened. Here's what took place. Not everyone did that. It's a powerful, powerful thing. This whole thing with delegation is huge. It's all through the Bible. God was the first person to delegate. Then we see the second Adam, and it's all delegation with Jesus. Not only does he say, I only do what the Father tells me to do. The Father, he tells me where I go, what I do, what I say. I take all my direction from the Father. I'm here to serve him. I'm his bondservant. I only do what the Father shows me to do. I mean, it's amazing. God just gave him more and more dominion. Next thing you know, he becomes Lord of everything in heaven, everything in the earth, and everything under the earth. Well, where'd that dominion come from? It come out of trust, come out of communication. That's called prayer. And he just kept in touch with the Father. He didn't do his own thing. Even though the enemy tried to tempt him to go off and do his own thing, he said, no, I'm committed to doing what the Father wants. And then not only is Jesus a master at delegation, receiving delegation, he knows how to give delegation. So he turns around and says to the disciples, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take this gospel into the world. I want you to take this commission. This is your commission. I want you to share the, uh, the story of what happened here everywhere you go. I want that as your commission. And you have authority. You have dominion over every demon, over every disease, over every, everything, every power of the devil. I give you dominion over that. Well, how, did, how can he give it to us? Well, it was given to him. He just delegated it. Delegation, delegation, delegation. What, what is a fruit of the flesh, and all of us have been part of churches where someone is in charge, and they're, they're, they dominate us. It's no longer dominion. By the way, dominion is a kingdom word. King, dom. It's part of the kingdom. But domination, all of us have had heavy-handed bishops. We've had people who told us what to wear. Paul says, Paul says to the Corinthians, I have no dominion over your faith. I'm not going to tell you how to walk this thing out. I'm not going to tell you what you have to believe. I'm not going to tell you how to live your faith. That's between you and God. I have no dominion over your faith. That there are people who tell you what color to wear, what, what the dimensions of what you're to wear are to be, what to drive, what to do. There's, that's not God. That's some kind of carnal, fleshly dominion. That's dominion that has gone to seed. It just multiplies in all the wrong direction. But it's very, very real. Once you've been under real authority and real dominion, you'll never be, you'll never be satisfied with anything else because it works. It makes life sweet. Makes life work. Hard work. It's a, it's a reality. There are people out there who are working hard. Uh, and you can blame Adam for that. In fact, there was this old Amish guy. 
he got hired by the bishop to put away his winter's wood. He was to chop it and stack it. But the bishop sitting in his living room could hear him. Amos was out there chopping wood, and he's complaining the whole way. Complaining about Adam. If Adam hadn't done that, if Adam wasn't so stupid, I wouldn't be here chopping wood by the sweat of my brow. That's stupid Adam. Adam was such a fool. Adam, he, he messed up, and now I'm paying the price for Adam's stupidity, and he's, he's railing as he's chopping wood. So the old bishop called him in and said, Hey, Amos, come on in. Have a seat. Here's a great big glass of lemonade. Put your feet up. Take it easy. Just relax. Enjoy the lemonade. Stay here. It's cool in here. Stay here as long as you like. The only thing is, is this box on the mantel, you're not to touch it. You're not to look in it. That's the only thing I'm, but stay here. It's cool. Put your feet up. So Amos sat there for a while drinking his lemonade, and he got looking at that box. Couldn't take his eyes off it. Finally got up and leaned on the mantelpiece, just looking at the box. Finally, he, he touched it a little bit. He had to know what was in that box. So finally, he opened it up, and there's a note that says, Get back to the woodpile, Amos. You're no better than Adam. We can blame Adam all you want, but we're no different. Amen? Let's stand together. I want you to be successful. I want you to be fruitful. I want you to multiply. That's God's heart as well. There's a way to do that. Father, show us. Lead us. We want to be fruitful. We want, to, we want our life to work. We want to long enjoy the work of our hands. Help us. Help us to get there. Help us to know how to do this. We want to be in dominion. We want to own things. We want to build things. We want to manage things. We want to create businesses that work. God, help us. Help us to know how you made us. In the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. God bless you as you go.